0: Good morning, it's good to see you this morning, man, you're looking mighty fine. You know, they say two out of three people have great voices. So look to your left and say, you have a beautiful voice. Now look to your right and say, sorry, (laughs) I'm just kidding, just kidding, I'm just kidding. I want you to know, um, man, I, I love to hear you worship, oh man, that just, you don't know, what that does to your pastor's heart. But what you also don't know is the impact that it has on the rest of us who are around. Today, as we now begin moving forward in our series, I'm, I'm gonna ask you to do something for me at the end of my message, and I'm gonna ask you to step out and step up, okay? I'm gonna give you a challenge from God's word. So it's not for me, it's God's challenge. And then I'm gonna give you an opportunity to come forward, all right? So I know right now some of you are thinking, I'm getting out of here and I want you to know I've already got the ushers on the other side of the doors and (laughs) we're locked in, okay? (laughs) Not really, not really. I'm just really glad you're here and I'm really excited about what God's getting ready to do. Because if it's anything like what he did in first service, we're going to be amazed. And I want to say a special welcome to all of you who are watching online. We are so glad you're here. And even though you and I are not here to be able to come forward, you can still participate with us. So I'm excited about technology. So the prayer part of our initiative begins today. And so if anybody signed up on the prayer that you're going to be praying for the church over the next 24 hours, the next seven days, that begins today. So if you go out there, you can see that at two o'clock this morning, I'm going to be up praying for you and for the church. And I'm going to do that all this week, and so are a bunch of the rest of us. Now, the reason I'm excited about this is because prayer's powerful. Amen. I mean, this is you and I individually talking to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He created this whole universe. Can you imagine how excited God is to know that His people at Central Community are going to be spending time with Him? I can just hear Him right now talking to Gabriel. Hey, Gabriel! Jordan's going to be talking to me this morning, of the butter, tonight about 11 p.m. I don't know if that's your time, but I'm just saying. But you know what I mean? I believe that God is excited about what's about to happen. But that's not the only thing that's going to happen. There's something else that God is going to call us to do today. Now, we all know the story of the Old Testament, and in the Old Testament, we have God's people, right? And they were in bondage. They were called the Hebrews, and they were in Egypt. Remember that? And then came the time when the Lord came, he sent a man by the name of Moses, and he said, you're my deliverer. And so Moses went into Egypt, remember? And God brought about the plagues, and then the last one finally, Pharaoh said, get out of here, take the gold, silver, whatever you want, just just leave. And God ushered the people out of Egypt into the wilderness. Now we talked about the fact of why he did that, remember? He had to get Egypt out of the people. And so he took him into the wilderness. As he was in the wilderness, boy, they saw some incredible things about God, didn't they? They saw his presence right before them in a cloud during the day and a pillar of fire by night. They saw the ark of the tabernacle. They all saw when they were up against the Red Sea, and here comes all the Egyptians, and God split the water, and he walked across on dry land, Right? All of that was so that they, the people would remember that God is their God. Now, there were two things that God had a problem with, and one of them was idolatry. He did not want any other God to come before him. and That was one of the issues that he had with the people. But the second thing about that was is that he wanted to be their God. Do you remember how the people broke God's heart? Do you remember what they said to him? They said, we want a king. And they didn't just stop there, did they? They said, we want a king just like everybody else. That had to break God's heart. But you know what? God gave them a king. And what happened? The kings became corrupt. And then God gave them prophets, and God gave them judges, and you know what? The people started going through this cycle, and finally God says, enough is enough. Guess what? There's a day coming when you're all going to be taken captive. And for 70 years, you're going to be in captivity. If you read in Jeremiah 29, the prophet Jeremiah now prophesies that there is a day coming When, after the Israelites have been 70 years in captivity, they're going to be freed and allowed to come back to the city of Jerusalem. And right on cue, a king by the name of Cyrus, who is the Persian king, decides and makes a proclamation for exactly what God had just promised. Here's what the proclamation said. In the first year of King Cyrus, king of Persia, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah, I love that. It's just God reminding us, you can trust my promises. He says, the Lord moved the heart of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now I want you to know, if he can move the king of Cyrus, King of Persia, Cyrus, that means he can move any dictator, he can move any atola, he can move any president, he can do whatever he wants to do to accomplish his purpose, and we should find great faith in that, right? It says to make a proclamation throughout his realm and also to put it in writing. And this is what Cyrus, king of Persia, says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem in Judah. I think that's hilarious. This guy is not a believer, and he is speaking the Lord's words. Any of his people among you may go up to Jerusalem in Judah and build the temple of the Lord, the God of Israel, the God who is in Jerusalem, and may their God be with them. So here's what happened. Now a declaration has been made, if you are in captivity, you are free to go home. And guess what happens? 50,000 of these Jews who have been in captivity follow a man by the name of Zerubbabel back to Jerusalem. When they get there, they find the walls and the temple of God in ruins. And on top of that, there's a group of people there. They're called the Samaritans. They are a very combative group of Jews, we could say. But the temple lies in ruins. So as a and the people get back, the Bible tells us that almost immediately they begin working on the temple. And you know what happens? It's not very long, and they get the foundation of the temple of God does, done. And the Bible says they had a huge celebration, the temple of our god is now has the foundation in place and they celebrated and then something horrible happened the people stopped building the bible tells us they lost their enthusiasm and I want you to remember that word because I'm going to talk about it later. They lost their enthusiasm. And for 16 years, nothing, not a thing happens in the temple. Now, that's where we're going to begin today when a prophet by the name of Haggai. I know you read that book all the time, right? That's when the prophet Haggai enters the picture, right? Okay, now, 1989... There was a film that came out that starred Kevin Costner. You probably all have seen it. It's about an Iowa farmer, and in his cornfield, he builds a baseball field. Anybody remember what the name of the movie is? Field of Dreams. Very good. In this movie, there's a quote, and it's a quote that we probably used in our lifetime several times. Remember, it is whispered to Kevin Costner. Remember what the, what the quote is? If you build it, he will come. All right, now, spoiler alert. I am so sorry to tell you this, but Kevin Costner did not coin that phrase, okay? In fact, it goes all the way back to our story today. In fact, in the very first temple that Solomon built, guess what? The Bible tells us, if you will build it, he will come. That temple now lies in ruins, and now that same phrase is applied if you build it, He will come. Or maybe we could say, if you rebuild it, His presence will return. That's where we are today. And remember, last week we talked about, and it was the main point of the sermon was is what all happens when we have the presence of God in our lives? When we have the presence of God in our lives, guys, there is nothing we can't do, Right? So the question then becomes this, if God has promised that presence in our lives, and He has, do we believe it? Do we believe it? Now today we're going to find out, because what you do next will show all of us what you truly believe. Stand with me out of respect for God's Word. As I read out of the book of Haggai, and I'm going to read the first 14 verses. In the second year of King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jozadak, the high priest. Yeah, I'm so glad I got through that okay. <laughs> this is what the Lord Almighty says. These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the Lord's house. What I just want to tell you is that these are the people that had started rebuilding the house and for 16 years, nobody's done anything. And now when they're being asked, why haven't you done it? You know what their response is? It's not the right time. You know what we learn from this? Just because ministry gets hard doesn't mean it's not the right time. Here we go. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while this house, referring to the house of God, lies and remains in ruin? Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. You have planted much but harvested little. You eat but never have enough. You drink but you never have your fill. You put on clothes but you're not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. "'Go up into the mountains and bring down timber "'and build my house so that I may take pleasure in it "'and be honored,' says the Lord. "'You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. "'What you brought home, I blew away. "'Why?' declares the Lord Almighty. "'Because of my house, which remains a ruin, "'while each of you is busy in your own house. "'Therefore,' "'Because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew "'and the earth its crops. "'I called for a drought on the fields and the mountains, "'on the grain, the new wine, the olive oil, "'and everything else the ground produces, "'on people and livestock, "'and on all the labor of your hands.' "'Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, "'Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest, "'and the whole remnant of the people "'obeyed the voice of the Lord their God.' and the message of the prophet Haggai, because the Lord their God had sent him, and the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josadak, the high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people. They came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. This is God's word for God's people. Let's pray together. Father, I have to admit to you, I've been and gotten distracted. There are other things that I have placed before you, things that have brought me comfort that have helped me to attain what I think is success. Now today, help me to refocus my attention to that which truly matters. And don't let me get fooled again. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. So we're talking about a prophet by the name of Haggai Haggai is a part of the minor prophets, okay? Just means that their ministries and their books are smaller than the others. But I really like this guy, Haggai. And the reason that I like him is because, well, there's two reasons. Number one, his ministry only lasted about four months. That's my kind of ministry, right? But here's the most important part that I love about it. The people heard the word from him and they obeyed it. And we're going to find out here, as I've said, that Haggai is a very passionate prophet. Man, he is fired up, and he is enthusiastic for the Lord. But what he is most enthusiastic about is the people of God. In fact, Haggai was so excited about the fact that the people of God were returning back to Jerusalem... And his prayer was, is that God would raise them out of the ashes of captivity and once again be a nation that is the light to the world. You see, Haggai didn't want the people to continue to wear the grave clothes. He didn't want the people to continue to wear the chains and live like they were in bondage. They were the Lord's and they were free. And now... God was giving them a second chance. How many of you are thankful for second chances? Man, I'm thankful for 55,326 chances, right? But now the people are getting a second chance. In other words, they're getting a refresh. And what God's desire is for the people is that for the people of Israel to take their rightful place in the redemption plan of God. All right, now think about this for a minute. So what's the redemption plan of God? Remember what it was and how it involves Israel? God needed Israel because Israel was the very people that the Messiah would come through. That's why the Israelites went through so much pain because Satan was always after them because he knew or he thought he knew that if he could kick the people down, that he could keep the Messiah from coming. Now, so, how were they to attain this once again? And the Bible tells us they were to rebuild the temple. So, here's what I want you to remember, okay? For 16 years, this temple is not being built. It's just laying there in ruins. The foundation is set. People walk by it every day and they see it and they go, oh yeah, that's those people. Remember that people? They were the people that they said that our God is the creator of yours. Wow, look at their God now their temple, the temple that he housed would be, his presence be found in, lies in ruins. And you know what? Part of what they were saying was right, and here's why. Because that temple was in ruins, there was no worship, there was no temple sacrifices, there was no spiritual life going on amongst the people. And so you know what God does? God sends a man by the name of Haggai, And he says, you will be my mouthpiece to get my people back to work. All right, so let's watch what happens here. Then the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Is it a time for you yourselves to be living in your paneled houses while the house remains a ruin? In other words, what Haggai is saying, he says, hey guys, man, I've noticed your houses look really nice. In fact, you've got some really interesting paneling in them. But you know what, the problem is is that your house looks nice, but man, the house of God is in ruins. Now, if you wanna find out what's going on, you can't read this in the book of of Haggai. You have to go to another book that comes alongside of it at the same time, the same period, and it's 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 the book of Ezra. And we go to Ezra and we can find how the dots are connected to what exactly he meant, and here's what he meant. When the people of, of Israel, when they came back out of captivity, Cyrus helped foot the bill. And as they came back, one of the things they did is they brought back this paneling that was made out of trees from Lebanon. This was the best of the best. The problem was is that after they quit building the temple, they took that paneling and they put it in their own houses while well, the temple of God sits in ruins. So now, Haggai comes in and he goes, hey, fellas, have you connected the dots here? In other words, in your life, you're lacking financially. Have you realized that there might be a correlation here? Hmm. You took the paneling that belonged to God and you put it in your own houses, and now you're struggling financially. Hmm, have you ever thought that maybe there's a connection here? Well, take a look at this. Now, this is what the Lord Almighty says, give careful thought to your ways. In other words, this is what God is saying. He's saying, hey, guys, would you just stop for a minute and think about what's going on in your lives? Just think about it for a minute. You have planted much but harvested little, you eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. You put on clothes, but are not warm. You earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. You see, the message that Haggai is telling them is this. You've got to connect the dots, and what you need to realize is that God's the one who's behind all this. And there's a reason, and here's the reason. When you deny God what belongs to him, you will soon find your own resources lacking. Now, I know you hate this part, but it's true. And I want you to know the truth. The Bible's pretty clear that we're supposed to be givers. you know what? You are givers. You are generous givers. And it's not always just about the finances. But God tells us I want you to demonstrate your belief, your trust in me, by giving of your tithes and offerings, and then watch what I will do to you. I remember when Lori and I first got married, my dad gave me this book that I could keep track of all my bills and things like that, and I'll never forget what he wrote in the front of it. He said, Bob, your, the key to success to your future financially will be found in your gifts to the Lord." And he was right. Case in point, I remember there was a time Lori and I made some decisions early on. And if you've been in my premarital counseling, you will know about these. But we made some decisions early on that we called our non-negotiables. In other words, before we even went off into our marriage, these are the things that we are going to do. And one of them was this. No matter what happened, we were gonna try and put our children in Christian education For as long as we possibly could. And that's what we started doing. I remember when one of the kids was in seventh grade or whatever, and we were tithers. We always did from the very beginning. And I remember there was a time when all of a sudden we owed about $700. And I remember I was working at the school, and I went into the business manager, and as I told him, I said, listen, can we work out some payments or something like that? And this is what he said to me. He said, you know what? He said, the bill's been taken care of. I go, what? He goes, yeah, somebody paid it off. And they said, I said, who did that? And they said, well, that's none of your business. But somebody paid this bill off, okay? When I walked out of the room, I remember looking up and saying, show off. But that's our God. I learned early, you can't outgive God. All right, now let's go on, okay? Now the question that I think that we really need to ask ourselves this morning is why did the building stop? Isn't it amazing how I don't know about you, but many times I can look at situations and I can come up with my own idea of why I think things are the way they are. Case in point. Maybe in your neighborhood, you notice that down the street, there's a gentleman, he's an elderly gentleman, and he lives in a home by himself. And all of a sudden, you recognize, man, his grass is sure getting lawn. And what do you start saying? I sure wish somebody would go and mow that yard. Why does that guy take care of his grass? I mean, look at all the rest of our houses. And we got to look at that every morning when we go to work. And then as the grass continues to grow, then the newspapers start piling up. Now, some of you are thinking, newspaper? What's a newspaper? Well, we used to have newspapers, okay? And then, all of a sudden, it just seems like the house is getting deteriorated, so what do people do? People call HOA, and they complain. So, the HOA sends out their notices, and after a while, nobody answers the door, so they call the police. Would you go in there and find out what's going on? And they go in, and there they find a man or a woman who has been dead on the floor for two or three weeks. We need to ask the question why things happened the way they happened in this story. And so let's go and let's figure out what the Bible tells us. When the enemies of Judah and Benjamin heard that the exiles were building a temple for the Lord, the God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and to the heads of the families and said, let us help you build because like you, we seek your God and have been sacrificing to him since the time of Asahardin, the king of Assyria who brought us here. Okay, now let's just pause for a moment here. Look at that again. It says, we have been sacrificing to him since the time of, they just lied to their face. How do you know that? Because the temple is in ruins. Remember what I told you about this group of people that were the Samaritans? They were these corrupt Jews that were living there? Now you know who we're talking about. Okay, let's go on. But Zerubbabel, Joshua, and the rest of the heads of the families of Israel answered, you have no part with us in the building of the temple of our God. We alone will build it for the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, commanded us. Then the peoples around them set out to discourage the people of Judah and make them afraid to go on building. They bribed officials to work against them and frustrate their plans during the entire reign of Cyrus, king of Persia, and down to the reign of Darius, the king of Persia. So here's what happened. They harassed, they threatened the people so much, and they even got the legal department of the government involved in it. They did everything and anything that they could do to stop the restoration, the building of the temple of God. And now Haggai enters the picture, okay? We'll get there. As soon as a copy of the letter of King Artaxerxes was read to Rahum and Shimshai, the secretary, and their associates, they went immediately to the Jews in Jerusalem and compelled them by force to stop. Thus the work of the house of God in Jerusalem came to a standstill until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Okay, so here's what's happened, okay? The people are dejected. They've lost all their enthusiasm. For 16 years, they feel worthless about the work that they have not gotten finished. And the reason is, is because their enemies have come after them. And not only did they come after them and harass them, but they even got the government involved, and the government basically came up with a piece of paper that says, stop all construction. All right, now, that's how we got to where we are. And now God says in a prophet by the name of Haggai. Now, these people are pretty much down in the dumps. I don't think they need to be kicked, do you? And so God sends a man by the name of Haggai, and he's got a word for them. Now, listen what God tells him. "'But now be strong, Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, son of Josedach, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. And work,' now here's those words, "'for I am with you, declares the Lord Almighty.'" This is what I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, and my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. So here's what I want you to hear. Here's what God is saying to the people of Israel. Guys, it's okay. God has this. He wants you to know that he is still with you. He's been watching over you. He's caring for you. But now it's time to get back to work. Don't worry about everything that needs to be done. Just simply do your work part. But remember, God has this. He brought us here. He instructed us to do this. So if God has called us, he will equip us. All right, now, when you have the presence of God, my friends, you have all you need. That's what these people had to be reminded of. But there's something else that happened here. God gave them, as they sought him out, more than just his presence. Now, this is where you come in. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave this message of the Lord to the people. I am with you, declares the Lord. Now, here it comes. Watch this. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, And the spirit of Joshua, son of Josedech and high priest, and the spirit of the whole remnant of the people, they came and began to work on the house of the Lord Almighty, their God. What happened? What just happened? Something happened. Don't miss it. Not only did God tell them, I'm going to be with you, but the Bible says he stirred their spirit. You guys, what you need to understand is that when you have been in the presence of God, one of the first and noticeable evidences that you've been in His presence is a stirred spirit. It's like you're drinking an energy drink. It's kind of like when you're at the airport and you know those walking escalators and you know what? You just walk normal on them, but you're walking three times and you're passing everybody as you walk by, you're waving to them, right? That's what God did to them. He stirred Stirred their spirit. And that word stirred is the same word enthusiasm. Another word, it means full of God. Do you understand? When we are in prayer, that's what the people have been doing. They've been in a time of prayer. And as they have been in a time of prayer, they didn't ask God for anything except His presence. And that's the difference his presence made. Because you know what happened to the people? They were different. They were unified. They were excited. They were on the same page. They had a sense of purpose. They weren't worried about what they could do, they believed the promise of what God was going to do. Now, take a look at this God's presence empties me of self and fills me with himself. That's prayer, my friends. That's what happens when you spend time in prayer with your God. You see, the people never said anymore, I can do this, I can't do this. No, now God had emptied them of themselves. He had filled them up with himself, and now they are stirred. They are filled with enthusiasm. And now they come together and they said, you know what? Ain't nothing going to stop us now. My dear friends in Christ, that's why we're going to spend the next 28 days in prayer. And I want you to know is that there is power when people come together and we're looking and reading and studying and praying the exact same thing in Scripture. And that's what I'm going to challenge you to do. Not only is there prayer going to be going on for the next week, but you know what? we have a prayer booklet. It's a 28-day prayer booklet. The Bible tells us where two or more are gathered in His name, there He is in the midst of them. Can you imagine what's going to happen when a couple thousand or more are gathered in His name, and what's going to happen as God come in our midst? So, here's what I'm asking. I'm asking all of us, I'm begging you that you would take a hold of each other's arm and commit to this 28-day prayer guide. All of us doing the same thing every day for the next 28 days, and it starts today, today. And all I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you two things to do, just two things. When you open this prayer guide, you know what? And you go to the very first devotion that I want you to do today on day one. It's called Humility Leads the Way. Do it as a husband and a wife. Do it as a family. Do it individually. But just get in God's word and let's do it together. And as you do, there's two requests that I have for you. Here's the first one. When you do it, simply ask God this request. God, I want your presence. Okay, that's it. Just say, Lord... I need you. I want your presence. And then the second thing is this, whatever it is that God puts on your heart to do in each devotion, be obedient. That's all. Whatever God brings to your heart to do, be obedient. And I'm telling you, God is going to do some amazing things. All right, now, so we have these, but we also don't have as many as we need. But we want you to know that there's another way that we can do this. And that is, is that we've arranged it so you can go online. And what we're going to do is this is part where I'm going to ask you to. If you're up in the balcony right now, you don't need to come down because it's pretty dangerous and it's a long way down, but there are going to be people outside your doors. Don't leave yet. Okay. They're going to be outside the door are going to hand you. But what I'm going to ask you to do, whatever these we're going to have, we're going to hand out what we have left. But, we're, but if not, we're going to give you this. And this is the code. This is the, this is the QR code so that you can have it. But it starts today. And so I'm going to ask those people right now who have volunteered to hand these out to go ahead and take their place. And now what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask the church not just yet, but when I, when I say go, I want you to get out of your seats and I want you to come down and pick one of these up. Okay, now, I want you to understand why I want you to come down because I need for your brothers and sisters in Christ looking and seeing who's joining them in this journey. And I want you to think about, you know what? If they can do it, so can I. And when you get this, then I want you to go back to your seat and wait because I'm gonna give you the blessing and I've got one more last thing I just need to tell you about this sermon that will make it all make sense. So right now, as Pastor Phil leads us in a song, I'm praying, come down, be involved in, in this devotion together, and may God bless what he's about to do.
1: If there's one voice being raised, if there's one heart lifting praise, Bringing glory to your name Let it be me And if there's one life being changed In the light of your grace Who is calling Embrace. Let it be me. Oh, let it. Chasing your heart Let it be True. Mm-hmm.
0: As I've been preaching about this, I know that in your mind, you are thinking, Pastor Bob is talking about our church and this whole capital campaign that we're involved in. And if that's what you believe, you're wrong, because that's not what the Bible teaches us. You see, in the Old Testament, God said that His presence would be seen and known in the temple. But in the New Testament, something changed. God said, now my presence will reside in you. We're the temple of God. And that's the exciting thing about this. Great, we're excited about what's going to happen to the building, but what I'm most excited about is what God is going to do in the house of of God in your life. You know why these people were successful? Because the Bible says they believed the prophet of God, and because they were obedient, God did something amazing. You know what he did? He told the people, because you were obedient, the temple that was before will be nothing. Like the temple I'm about to do and build right now. In other words, what God is saying is this the best is yet to come. My dear friends in Christ, as we walk this journey, remember God is with us and the best is yet to come. All we have to do is believe God. Amen? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day what a great God you are. We've worshiped, we have heard from you, Father, and now as we leave this place, we do so with our heads up high, with our eyes focused on you, the God who desires to be in community with his kids. And we are one of those kids. Now, God, as we go through this next 28 days, starting today, oh, I can't wait to hear the stories but I pray, Lord God, it would all begin with this. Lord, we need your presence. And then as your presence comes with us, as we are obedient to your word, oh, you are gonna change us from the inside out and the best is yet to come. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you please stand? Now I wanna give you the benediction before you leave. Hey, I know there's a group of guys tomorrow morning, F3, if you wanna meet at 5.20 in the morning, they're ready to work out with you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace, his joy, and his strength. Now go and be obedient. God bless you. I love you. See you next week.